that the others ain't. That always seems to please. I was a kid at my usual Saturday matinee. And all of a sudden, there was this flurry of ostrich feathers. And out of that flurry came this face that just knocked me for a loop. She's a part of an era that was elegance. White time, tailed satin dresses. so sexy she was the first black movie star on the cover of a movie magazine it's quarter to three there's no one in the place except you're hearing the living history of jazz and blues when you hear lena horn sing so set them up joe i've got a little story she sings magnificently but underneath there she's telling a story that story came out of her life experiences of a brief episode i feel my mother's challenge in this life has been to be a woman a black and an artist good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I kept the music in because I figure copyright-wise, if they come after me, they come after me. That was the attitude of Lena Horn. Lena Horn was like, I'm just going to do it. And she was born on this day 105 years ago. Lena Mary Cal- Calhoun, how do you say it? Calhoun. Lena Mary Calhoun Horn, born on June 30th, 1917 in Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, New York. She died on May 9th, 2010 at the age of 92 in New York City. She was a singer, dancer, actress, activist. When we think of Lena Horn, yes, everyone thinks of stormy weather. We think of Cabin in the Sky, which is really such a great film. Her and Ethel Waters, and um, I think it was directed by Vincent Minnelli. Lena Horne didn't have the film career that she really aspired to. When she came to Hollywood, it was in her contract that she would not play stereotypical made roles. And she got in trouble with this when Lena, you know, she was the first to sign a major long-term contract and others (laughs) in the industry were like, really? In fact, her father, when they met LB Mayer said, my, my daughter is not going to be running around in a leopard skin and she's not going to be doing this. And it, and it was a moment and, and people in the industry had gotten, yeah, you know, that, that was the thing. You do the work and you don't say anything. And at that moment, Hattie McDaniel had won the Oscar 
for Best Supporting Actress. And so people in Hollywood thought, okay, you know, we're going in the right direction. No, because she sat in the back. She gave a speech that was pre-typed for her. So with the emergence of Lena Horne, I thought, okay, there's this... First of all, gorgeous, beautiful. But then there is this strike against you. Paul Paul Newman had this, oh, if you're beautiful, you don't really have to do anything. You don't really have to act. If you can sing, all right, that's fine. Well, Lena Horne was a magnificent singer. But she even said in that documentary I just played for you, it's called Lena Horne in Her Own Voice, done by American Masters on PBS in 1996 when Lena Horne was still alive. She was about to turn 80 years old. And yeah, it's, uh, she, you know, a lot went down. A lot went down and, um, Oh my goodness. She has stated, though, she was not a really good singer, that she could fake it. She didn't really become the singer that she felt she could become until she was exposed to more music, the jazz musicians. Everything she learned, she learned from them. And at one point, they said, you know, you got to go and sing the blues. And she'd never sang the blues, and so she didn't know what to do. And so she went to Billie Holiday. Went to Billie Holiday. At that moment, Billie Holiday was a goddess in the industry. And I want to play this clip for you. Cafe Society was the first nightclub outside of Harlem to welcome white and black audiences. It was the place to perform, and everybody did. From Sarah Vaughan to Zero Mostel to Art Tatum to Billie Holiday. Everybody wanted me to sing the blues, even though they weren't in my background at all. Learn to sing like Billie Holiday, they kept telling me. I wanted to sing the blues desperately, but I didn't get it. I would have to learn how to expose myself to be a blues singer, and I wasn't ready to expose myself yet. I've got those long so I went to Billy Holiday. I said, they, they want me to sing the blues. I mean, I don't know how to sing the blues. What should I do? She said, you got two babies. You got to pay your rent. Sing the song. And so that's the advice that Billy Holiday gave her. Whew. What an extraordinary time that you could just go over to Billy Holiday's and say, hey, Billy, they want me to sing the blues. And Billy just said, you got two babies, you got to pay your rent, sing the song. And that's what Lena Horne took from Billie Holiday. Decades later, when Lena Horne did The Lady in Her Music, and she went into this emotional uh, crescendo, because at that point... Her sing, you know, she was singing, you know, Stormy Weather, and she was singing Did I, Did I Do, and Lady is a Tramp. And she had had all these losses. Her, her husband died, her son died, her good friend Billy Strayhorn died, and the loss was felt. 
And so what she did is she was able to use that emotionally for her performances. She was able to do that for the lady and her music. It was a one-woman show. It was a beautiful show. And I'll never forget seeing a clip of it and my grandmother saying that what Helena Horn described the song. She was like, it's taken me 40 some odd years to grow comfortable to this song. My skin has grown around it. And how I got it, where it came from, I'm allowed to sing it the way I feel. That's such a moment for a performer to do that. Because everyone was used to her singing Stormy Weather in this beautiful, you know, silky voice. And she, she let the blues out. And I'm going to play it for you in a bit. This is, this is an interesting story concerning Lena Horne and Hattie McDaniel. Yes, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Ruby Dee, this great uh, African-American actress, said to me on more than one occasion, you know, talking about Hattie McDaniel's performance, She's coming from a real place. And the thing is, again, the context in which we see her. We don't know where she, where she goes when she leaves Scarlett's side. We don't know her relationship with other black characters. None of that is explained to us. But she carries with her this toughness. She's got that big sonic boom of a voice. Yes, she does. So you know when she speaks that she was born to give orders, not to take them. And this is the feeling she herself has. And she is able, she's strong enough that we're with her as the film goes along, even though we feel there is much we're not told. And she's very moving at the end, I mean, towards the end with you know all the tragedies that, that mount. And, and you see her range as an actress. And I do think she deserved that Oscar. Yeah. And she always was very quick to rebut the criticism that she should have been hesitant to play such a stereotypical role. Yes. yes. You know, she was an ambitious actress. This was the big role for a black woman at that time. Uh, she wanted it, and then she had to defend it. Yeah. And she was put into a difficult uh, position in that respect. Because um, she didn't want to alienate Selznick or the Hollywood community. Sure, she wanted to keep working. But I'll tell you something interesting about her. Lena Horne, when she went to Hollywood. Love Lena Horne. And Lena Horne was ushering in a new image of African Americans. Mm -hmm. Composed, poised. um, And some within the black community were sort of resentful of Lena Horne, that they might not get work if Hollywood really changed. And Hattie McDaniel invited Lena Horne to her home. And Lena Horne said that Hattie McDaniel was her great defender. And she said that McDaniel's home was, uh, Lena Horne said this, it was exquisite. And she said that Hattie McDaniel told her that on screen she was a mammy, but in her own home, she was Hattie McDaniel. So she had a sense of this, that she was not going to be this other person. Um, And I wanted to play that because, see, Hattie McDaniel was in Lena Horne's corner. And and throughout that, you know, Lena Lena Horne's film career, I mean, it was, um, like I said, it, it wasn't what she wanted it to be. The road to Hollywood... 
My. She made her debut at Metro Golden Mayor in Panama Hattie in 1942 and performed the title song of Stormy Weather in 1943, based loosely on the life of Adela Hall for 20th Century Fox. While on loan from MGM, she appeared on several MGM musicals, Cabin in the Sky, with an entirely African-American cast. She was otherwise not featured in a leading role because of her ethnicity and the fact that her films were required to be re-edited for showing in cities where theaters would not show films with black performers. As a result, most of Horn's film appearances were standalone sequences that had no bearing of the rest of the film, so editing caused no disruption to the storyline. One number from Cabin in the Sky was cut before the release because it was considered too suggestive for censors. Lena Horn singing Ain't It the Truth while taking a bubble bath. This scene and song are featured in the film That's Entertainment 3 from 1994, which also featured commentary from Horn on why the scene was deleted prior to this film's release. Lena Horn was the first African-American person elected to serve on the Screen Actors Guild Board of Directors. Woo! Horn became disenchanted with Hollywood and increasingly focused on her nightclub career. She made only two major appearances for MGM during the 1950s, The Duchess of Idaho in 1950, which was also Eleanor Powell's final film, and a musical, Meet Me in Las Vegas, 1956. She said she was tired of being typecast as a Negro who stands against a pillar singing a song. I did that 20 times too often. She was blacklisted during the 1950s for her affiliations in the 1940s with the communist-backed groups. She would subsequently disavow the communism. She returned to screen playing Claire Quintiniana, a madam in a brothel who marries Richard Whitmark, in the film Death of a Gunfighter in 1969. Her first straight dramatic role was no reference to her color. She later appeared on the screen two more times as Glinda in The Wiz, directed by her then son-in-law, Sidney Lumet, and co-hosting the MGM retrospective, That's Entertainment 3, in which she related her unkind treatment by the studio. Mm -hmm. Now, we arrive at Lady and Her Music. But first, I I want to tap into the civil rights activism because it is very important very important and to tell this story we have a beautiful clip from her granddaughter Jenny Lumet who is a screenwriter was uh, previously married to Bobby Cannavale um, you can tell she's well you can't see the clip and so But she uh, inherited a lot from her grandmother. Very, very, very beautiful, just like her grandmother. But and then her sense of humor. I love when she taught because people think, oh, you know, when when you're Lena Horne, you're just, you know, uptight. And Jenny Lumet was like, oh, no, she had a wicked sense of humor, but it was very bone dry. Here, Here we go. Here we go. This is Jenny Lumet talking about her grandmother and her beauty. The fact that her beauty was a political thing. She was funny. She was really fucking funny. She had a completely wicked sense of humor and she was dry as a bone. It was about, let's like have a Hennessy and sit down. (laughs) My name is Jenny Lumet and my grandmother is the extraordinary 
Miss Lena Horn. My father is Sidney Lumet, and he is a film director. I love The Wiz. I have emotional favorites of my dad's movies. It was Diana Ross and Nipsey Russell and Michael Jackson and um, a little dog. My grandma, and she was just as Glinda. That no one can change. Uh, she knew that her beauty was political. She had a complex relationship with her beauty. It wasn't enough for her to just step on a stage. And she did indeed walk the walk. And she was indeed at the March on Washington, where she said one word. She said freedom. Uh, she did indeed arrange the midnight flight for Dr. King. And she was the last person with Mr. Evers. And she was a very particular soul in a very particular package. The stamp's background is reminiscent of Ms. Horn's Stormy Weather album. This was a really cool way into talking about her and talking about what it means to have the face of a woman of color as a thing that is representative of the United States of America. That conversation about women of color as Americans is something that my grandmother moved forward and I am forever grateful. Hey, I'm Veronica Webb with The Root and thank you for watching. And so that's Jenny Lumet talking about her grandmother, Lena Horne. I wanted to arrive at Lady and Her Music, which is... um. Such a great moment. And this is uh, Alan King talking about it. I, I also want to... Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out at the end. Here we go. This is this is Lena Horne as she emerges from this great loss period. She says the 60s were a watershed period for her, as they were everybody. ...to retreat at first. And Alan King came to me one afternoon. And he said... When are you going back to work? I said, I, I don't want to work anymore. I don't want to be without, you know, the people that I'm close to. And uh, he said, well, you're crazy. I'll bring you back and we'll do something together. She said, me sing with you. She carried on. And he was so, you know, Alan. Very, and he was right. You got to just go on and do it until you can't anymore. We did a medley. Lena come out and I say, Lena, we've known each other. And she say to me, now listen. She said, if you're going to start talking to me about the old days. And then all of a sudden she'd go with this little light vamp in the back of me. She'd sing, in olden days, a glimpse of stocking. And we go into a port of medley. Forget about it. And so I went back. It's happened to me again just before I did Lady and the Music. When I go into those moods and my loss becomes strong in my heart, I just go back in a hole. And uh, my manager said to me, are you going to just melt away and die out? He said, you got to go to work. Yesterday, when I was young, so many happy songs were waiting to be sung. So many wayward pleasures lay in store for me. And so much pain my dazzled eyes refused to see. I ran so fast. 
youth ran out and I never The change in Lena from the early days to the Lena that I saw on stage. Two different people. She was free. audiences just went crazy over what they saw and what they heard. No one had ever seen this Lena Horn before. People talked about seeing a different Lena, and it was true. What they didn't know is that they were seeing a whole Lena for the first time. All my life, the isolation I had wrapped around myself had been a defense, sometimes my only defense. It was a crutch, but it helped me to survive. Now I can throw the crutch away. And the emptiness beyond the game of love I play with arrogance and pride and every flame I friends that I had, well, I just let them slip away, oh, 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 now there's only me out here, all alone on this stage, waiting to end my play, there's so many happy songs in me that I have not sung, I feel a bitter taste of tears upon my tongue, in a way that I think even surprised her. And it was her truth. Lady and her music was Lena's truth. I love it when you talk to me. It just, it, it just, it just it's wonderful. It makes me feel close to you. She began to really enjoy performing more than she ever had before in her life. When I realized that the audiences could hear me as well as see me, I felt my healing was complete. I looked out from the stage and I saw a family of brothers and sisters, all of them. It was a long time coming, but when it did, I truly began to live again. You know what I'm going to tell you? Months back, they yelled at me from upstairs. Yeah, Lena! But can you get up? And so that's Lady and Her Music. That is a legendary stage show that she did in 1981. It won her a Grammy. It won her a Tony. And it was a it was 
a, a whole Lena Horn. That's something she had always aspired to be. Because she grew up in a family, you know, her parents divorced when she was young. She was black. She was white. Uh, and how her beauty became a thing that she had a problem with. And people tried to politicize it to try to use her as an instrument. So, yeah, this is that was Lena Horn's truth. I want to give a shout out to my late professor, uh, Mr. Fawcett, who saw Lena Horn, because I remember asking him about that. Uh, right before I graduated and uh, he was about to retire. So rest in peace, Mr. Fawcett. And, and my, oh God, my grandmother loved Lena Horn. We watched this documentary together and she just loved it. I, it was, I, I mean, I was cleaning my room at the time and she, you know, she was just kind of like, my mother was bringing food home from the, uh, from the grocery store. And my grandmother's just like, I'm in here. I'm watching, I'm watching TV with him. Uh, she didn't care that my room was dirty. I mean, she did to an extent. But she was so, in, she was so into the program. And she knew a lady in Oakland who looked like Lena Horn. And so she was telling me about that. Um, this is, this is, I'm playing the music. I really don't care. This is my favorite moment in the documentary because my grandmother loved this moment. some odd years to grow comfortable with this song. My skin has grown around it. And no matter where it came from or how I got it, I'm allowed to sing it the way I feel. And So I'm going to stop that because we could play that all all day, but I don't want to get in copyright trouble. I do want to play for you. So 25 years ago, and I remember I missed it because I, I woke up and then I think I fell asleep. And it's great with YouTube that I got to see it again was Lena Horne on the Rosie O'Donnell show. That was 25 years ago and she was about to turn 80 years old. And here is just a here's a clip of it. And um, I love the Rosie O'Donnell show. I miss it. Such a great show. Here's that clip. On the screen or on stage for over 50 years, her voice has brought us such joy. On June 23rd, she'll be celebrating her 80th birthday. Please welcome the living legend, Ms. Lena Horne. <laughs> to meet you, Miss Horn. Thank you. Really, it is. Well, I like show business, too. You do? Yes. Yeah. And I like you because you like to sing. And you like singers. Yeah. But I like dancers, too. I do. But I don't do either well. Well, sometimes I goof. uh, Lots of times. But uh, 
That's show business. I've never seen you goof once. But yeah, well, you know, I suffer not to goof, but uh, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, now you are um, turning 80 years old. Yes, yes. You look amazingly beautiful. birthday bash yes so I hear I, I'm very grateful for this it. because it's for a great outfit society of singers you know yes and I've known a whole lot of indigent indigent singers through these years and it's nice to be with an organization that helps them out uh, I was trying to think earlier on about all the guys like Arthur Prysock and Johnny Hartman and all the great great singers who needed society of singers and we finally have one. And it's an organization. And so I want to pull away because that's, like I said, she was an activist. So she really talked to talk and walked the walk. And that was her bringing that attention to Rosie O'Donnell was that, yeah, it's my 80th birthday. And Society of Singers is, I'm, they're going to present to me. So it's been fun. Um, like I said, this would have been uh, uh, Lena Horne's 105th birthday. Uh, she was a fighter. She was a singer. She was an activist. She was an actor. She had a presence uh, that other other performers, I don't think, uh, I think they should look into. And I encourage the audience to just go and watch um, Cabin in the Sky, which is such a great um, performance uh, where I think I think she's like, well, she's playing she's playing the bad girl in it. And then, of course, uh, Stormy Weather. Um, and the Wiz. It's funny as I was my niece and nephew were watching The Wiz one day and they had never seen it. And I saw, yeah, that's the Wiz. And there's Lena Horn playing Glinda the the good. So as always, unpleasant dreams and happy birthday, Lena Horn. <laughs>